Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is Jordan Guilford, the founder and CEO of Gems for Gems, a multifaceted charity that focuses on the empowerment and economic recovery of female survivors of domestic abuse. Jordan has earned tremendous accolades for her work with Gems for Gems, including being named one of Calgary's Top 40 Under 40, a True Beauty Foundation community change maker, and the recipient of the Green Sparrow Agent of Change Award. And most recently, Jordan was named on Ask Pioneer's Top 20 Under 40 list for 2021. I invited Jordan to be a guest on my show today to talk about the Gems for Gems brand. I wanted to learn what inspired her to start this much needed charity, and I was curious to learn what role branding plays in their fight against domestic abuse. Jordan, I am so honored and thrilled to have you with us here today. Welcome to Branding Matters. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Just to give our audience a little bit of a background, I think you and I met, I was trying to think about it. I mean, it was a few years ago. I don't know if it was four years ago, maybe, when I was first introduced to you and introduced to Gems for Gems and not knowing anything about it. And I was just blown away by what you're doing and everything. And so we connected and then I I said to you, you know, I'd love to be involved. And I tried to do what I could. And I think I did the jewelry drive with you guys, but I never felt that I was doing enough, I guess. And I I really wanted to get more involved because I've seen what you guys are doing. And so I finally, you know, reached out to you and I said, Jordan, I want to help you. I want to help you with your branding. And I think that's when I got to learn way more about the background of what you're doing. And I'm so excited to be a part of it and be an ambassador. No doubt you're going to do great, great things. And Gems for Gems is going to do great things nationally and then who knows maybe internationally so I want to thank you for everything that you're doing and I'm so happy to have you here today so thank you before we get into it congrats on being named on Ask Pioneer's top 20 under 40 for 2021 can you share what that's about and what it is well I was interviewed for it to be honest I didn't have any idea who else got it but when that award list came out I was shocked it's international which is even more of an honor what is Ask Pioneer's first of all what is Uh, Well, it is uh, an international uh, magazine that seeks to be able to build up businesses, to be able to show the public and different organizations kind of who up-and-comers are. They seek to help facilitate collaborations and just to really kind of help people have their finger on the pulse of what's up-and-coming and and what to watch for. For you, and you were surprised. That's even better. Before we dive right in, I want to know a little bit about your origin story. Where did you grow up? And can you share a little bit about your childhood and your parents? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a rural village. It's not even a town. There's 150 people, not 150,000, 150 people, super tiny, about 20 minutes away from the next form of civilization. (laughs) And uh, it was a very quiet, modest life. We were incredibly poor. We uh, often didn't have heat, hot water, food even. It was a challenging childhood, but in a way that I was kind of unaware of because it was all I ever knew. I didn't really have a real grasp on what we were missing because there wasn't, we didn't have internet, we didn't have any of these things that would really nowadays really highlight what you don't have. We were just focused on what we did have. Even though we were living a difficult life, we really focused on the positives of it. And we didn't have a a deep awareness of what we were missing. That really, honestly, like that mentality has been something that has grounded me throughout my whole life. It has really given me an enormous amount of resilience because I do know what it is to have nothing and to still be able to see joy and experience happiness 
in that. So what did your parents do? Were they still married? Uh, no, my parents separated. They were living apart from when I was eight. And then they officially separated when I was 17. Their relationship was not great. There was no abuse there. I know some people, when they look at my life now, and my husband is absolutely lovely, and we've been together since I was 18, people immediately will look at my dad as a potential for where the inspiration behind connecting to domestic abuse came from. And it's not at all. Sadly, I did experience abuse in several different areas while I was growing up. But not from my family. You personally? Is, yeah, yeah, oh. for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then when I left home when I was 18, just before I met Tommy, I had another run-in with that type of thing. And then I met Tommy um, when I was 18, just turning 19. And honestly, <clears throat> because of having him so in my corner, I teetered on the edge of spiraling out of control several times, but kept being able to come back and finally find my footing uh, in my mid twenties. But there was a, it was bad for many years, many years in a short life, a good four or five years where I did not have my footing whatsoever. And then uh, we got married when I was 25 and we had babies right away. And it was honestly the, the big change for me was becoming a mother and just put everything in a different perspective for me. And shortly after that, we moved out to Calgary from Nova Scotia and I started GEMS within a year. Domestic abuse and low income were two areas that were really married in my life. And that's why I wanted to help women who have survived domestic abuse. And I focused on shelters because it's people who don't have a lot of other people in their corner. So I wanted to be there for the people who I understood and who needed help. Wow. And so you moved to Calgary. What year was this when you moved here? 2014, I think. And then the first jewelry drive was that first Christmas. Okay, so you moved here in 2014 and you thought, you know what, that's it. I want to help people that were in my situation. And so you just decided to start a charity. Like, how, how do you do that? Like, what? I did. Tell, I know. So can you tell, kind of kind of share like how you did that? Yeah, sure. Honestly, GEMS is so not traditional. I did not start GEMS for GEMS to start a charity whatsoever. There was a story when I was 14, brother and my sister and I gave our mother, we pulled our Christmas money together that my grandmother gave us. And we gave our mom a little bracelet. And she bawled on Christmas morning when we gave it to her and she left the room. Yeah, it devastated us because she just left. And when she came back, she had done her hair, put on her best clothes and done her makeup. And she just sat us down and told us that this little piece of jewelry put her back on her own radar. And so remembering that story at Christmas time that I decided to try to collect gently used jewelry from the women in the public and give it as Christmas gifts to women in shelters. And it just exploded. That first year, we did packages with three to five items in them for 436 women, which is amazing. And then now we're over 18,000 across Canada. Just took on a life of its own. And then as it started to grow, more people came involved and uh, and I started becoming more aware of different holes in the domestic abuse world. And I just tried to step up and do the best I could every time I saw something. But literally from the beginning, I have never had to do this on my own. There has just been more and more people all the time holding me up, holding gems up and encouraging me and being a like just huge support 
it is a, a charity that was made accidentally, but accidentally on purpose. It's been an amazing, beautiful ride, but really inspiring because of how many people have just, like yourself included, jumped on board and bought into this dream of mine, which is just amazing. That's incredible. So you decided, okay, I'm going to do this. So it wasn't necessarily you thought I want to do a charity, but because of what you did with your mom that Christmas, which by the way, is very touching. I got a little clump there listening to that. You decide, <laughs> okay, we're going to do that on a bigger scale. And then did you just go around to your friends and say, hey, do you have any used jewelry that you can donate? And we're going to put together these packages. And it just started yes. like that on your yes. own. And did you have help? No. The wow. first Christmas, just Tommy and I cleaning and packing jewelry. That's amazing. Table. Well, the first year I approached the owner of Orange Theory Fitness in Seaton and begged them to help me collect. And every single one of their trainers got on board. So they mentioned it at every single class. And that's really where we were able to get the the bulk, but from one location in Seton and Seton wasn't built up then at all. So it's really just right from the start. That's what I mean. Like people just, they liked the idea and rallied around it and off we went. The charity idea came to my head once I wanted to do the scholarships because I knew we couldn't volunteer our way to paying for scholarships. So we needed to be able to be a credible source for people to donate money and had to get a little bit more serious then. And it's gone really, really well. That's great. And so Gems for Gems, so the name, I'm assuming, comes from the fact that that bracelet that you gave your mom, naming is so important when you have a brand. And the more that you own the name, but the more that it personifies what you do specifically is great. And I mean, Gems for Gems really says it all. And so it's a great, great name. Thank you for sharing that story. I had no idea about your experience growing up. So it sort of makes sense now. I know you and I've had conversations about Gems for Gems. You're very specific about saying that it's domestic abuse versus domestic violence. Can you share why and what the difference is between domestic abuse and domestic violence? Sure. So this is yet another example of how GEMS is a bit unique and a bit against the grain because domestic violence is the typical term that everyone uses. The reason why we specifically and and very consciously say domestic abuse is because when someone hears the word violence, they immediately think of someone hurt, like physically hurt, beaten up. And that's the first picture that comes in your mind. It's great as far as getting sympathy and getting extra donations and all of that because it makes people immediately activate that part of their brain that induces nothing but sympathy. But the reality is not just physical. The reality is financial. The reality is emotional. There's so many different forms of abuse. And the reason why we really do not want to focus just on the violence side is that I don't want people who are being manipulated and coerced and all of that to not see that as the abuse that it is. I don't want it to be that you think you need to be beaten up to qualify for support from us. You don't. There are so many different forms of abuse and each one of them are qualified to receive the help that we can give. And I I think that by mistake, our industry has done a, a major disservice to so many survivors out there. And I just really want there to be no confusion around the fact that every single form of abuse warrants support, help, and the acknowledgement that it is abuse. So you're really intentional about that as far Incredibly. as... Yeah. Incredibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. You know, it's funny. I started watching the Netflix series Made. I had no idea what it was about. Someone just recommended it to me and I started watching it and it wasn't long until I was like, holy, you know, and then because of my experience 
volunteering with Gems for Gems, I really felt this connection to the character. And, you know, there's one scene in particular where she goes in. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the series? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that scene where she goes in to try to get help and the woman, the officer, I don't know what her title was, but she was telling her or asking her like why she didn't come sooner. And the character, the main character was like, well, because I haven't been abused. He never hit me. And the the officer, the person who she was talking to was like, what are you talking about? Of course you've been abused. That was like this light bulb moment for me where I thought about mm-hmm. Gems for Gems and about, oh, okay, yeah, like I get there's there's probably so many people out there right now that don't even know they're in abusive relationship, right? They oh, don't even God. get it because they're like, well, I haven't been hit, so it's not abusive. So I, He's I, a jerk. He's a jerk, but he doesn't hit me. Yeah, yeah. manipulate. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really, really love that, you know, you're very intentional with calling it domestic abuse because I don't think people really get it. And so a part of what you're doing is educating the masses. And also, I think the victims that may not even know they're victims. And you're saying, hey, Mm -hmm. you're being manipulated. Or hey, if you're in a situation where someone is bullying you, and these are all Mm -hmm. the different ways, you're being abused. And we can help. Mm -hmm. We're here to help. Right? 100%. Yeah, it's also, I mean, an invitation to consider your own beliefs around domestic abuse. When you hear domestic abuse, as opposed to what everyone else calls it, which is domestic violence, it invites thought. And it invites introspective look at your own environment, the loved ones around you. I just think it's important. Well, it it definitely is. Okay, so then when you decided to become a charity, for someone out there, let's say, who's listening, who might want to start a charity, you know, because it's not, it's just as easy as like, oh, I'm going to start a charity. How do you become a registered charity? It's a lot of work. And that's the other thing. I wrote an article recently, actually, for that top 20 under 40. And my whole article was, this is what you're signing up for. So if you don't have this, seriously consider not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so many other ways to make a beautiful impact in your community. You have to be a certain type of human to actually make a go of this. It is not easy at all. Very worth it, but not easy. (laughs) Well, I would say you have to be very, very passionate about it. And then your passion drives your purpose. You hear that? a lot of times in branding, actually, specifically and in business. And so you have that. You're obviously extremely passionate about it. And that's your purpose. So now you've officially been a registered charity for how many years now? Four years? I think close to six now. Maybe five and a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere around there. I was never good at math. So, So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned since you started Gems for Gems? Oh man, so many. One of the ones is to be incredibly careful with partnerships. I would say my biggest learning lesson there was to make sure that there is a start and end. In the charity world, you need to have good blood everywhere you possibly can. And having a beginning and end means that you can exit a partnership that might be two great people that just didn't, it didn't work well together. And you can end it gracefully as opposed to ending it with any hurt feelings or anything like that. So that one was really important. Also to really follow my gut instincts. There's been plenty of situations where what I wanted to do was not what I should have done. And I knew I shouldn't have let something happen, but I did because I thought, what's the worst that could happen? Well, you know, you get back to branding. The worst that can happen is a a hit to the brand. And the thing is with me, it's not just a hit to the brand. It's a hit to all of you ambassadors that have given your time, your name, your everything to gems. And that's on me. So I, I care so much about that. And I'm incredibly strategic and careful now 
I had a few bad learning lessons, recovered from them, <laughs> and I won't be making those mistakes again. But that's how you learn. Two. I mean, yep. you know, you started this, you had no idea what you were doing, I assume, right? So you went into it blindly, and that's how you become successful is by failing and by making those mistakes yeah. and learning. I think, them. yeah, I, you know, one of the things that has been a, a really big guiding principle for me is to not attempt to be good at everything. Make sure you have the humility to see your weeks and go work with people who are great at it. In the beginning with Gems, because I was unproven, I didn't seek out all the people that I should have because I didn't have the proof in our proverbial pudding <laughs> that we would have been a good investment for people. Thankfully, I had some really wonderful people come on very early that filled a lot of my holes, but there were still holes that created gigantic chasms because <laughs> they were unfilled for a long time. Branding is one of them. <laughs> As you know. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Um, I know. And I, I, you're a godsend. So that to me is the biggest thing that I would say is that so many people want to do this solo and a myriad of different reasons. But one of them is that people don't want to share limelight. And that's thankfully not something that I've ever struggled with, but I know a lot of people do. And I just think it's so very important to be able to have the confidence in yourself to understanding what your weaknesses are as one of your biggest strengths, because that makes it possible to compensate for them. You're never going to be the best at even half the things you need to do, but you can be the best at understanding what you need and going out and getting it. Well, that's a really good lesson, you know, for businesses in general, and, and even for entrepreneurs or small business owners is they always say the most successful businesses if you surround yourself with the best people, right? And know how to delegate. I don't know if necessarily if it's an ego thing. I mean, maybe part of it is an ego thing. I don't think you have that problem. But I think this is your baby, right? So this is your baby and you want to make sure it's handled well. And so handing off your baby to different people is scary and it's a bit risky, right? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that same mindset. But the reality is if you surround yourself and you say, okay, well, I know what I can do, but I'm going to have this person take care of this part and this part. And then you're going to have this amazing support system around you. You're all going to rise together. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it's probably a learning process. So those are all really good lessons. So I appreciate you sharing with that. So I want to talk a little bit more about the nonprofit world, because the reality is there are a lot of charities out there, right? I mean, worldwide, which is great. You can never have too many charities and people doing good is always great. And with that, there's going to be competition. And, and especially now, you know, what's going on in the world and people are struggling financially. And sometimes it's not as easy to get donations or volunteers. There's only so much to go around. So what does Gems for Gems do differently that helps you stand out from your competitors? Because they are in one sense competitors because you're all competing for people's money and time and everything else. What do you do differently that sets you apart other than, of course, you? (laughs) Well, our team, to be honest, has been the biggest thing that sets us apart. Ambassador program has been a major game changer for us. Can you share a little bit about what that is for people who don't know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So our ambassador program is full of people that you have to apply to become part of it and full of people who are very driven to make a difference, but also who buy into the gems for gems way, our way of thinking, our belief, for instance, that in the domestic abuse versus domestic violence. And we meet those people with the expectation that you will step up and do what you can, when you can and how you can. So that's actually something very unique about Gems for Gems is that there's a lot of organizations that have a very rigid volunteer program and all of that. 
But when I was building the ambassador program, I had a lot of push from the people who are already in GEMS to make that very rigid and a bit of exclusivity. I'm just not that person. (laughs) I just very much wanted to be that if someone believes in what GEMS is doing and has their heart in the right place, yes, come join us. And it doesn't matter to me that you have a busy month, a busy six months, a busy year, because we have every single one of our founding ambassadors still And it's because we have what we call livable commitment to GEMS. So it works with your life, with your family, with your everything, anything at my house, always children are invited and it's never GEMS or your family or GEMS or your work. It's very much, it works with your life. Everyone has good feelings towards GEMS. No one feels obligated or upset that they have to go do a GEM thing. It's very, just nothing but positivity, which is wonderful because then ambassadors go out and they talk about GEMS for GEMS and it's from the middle of their heart. They're proud, they're excited, they're happy. They are literally being all that is GEMS in the community. And I I just love that. The other thing that is really difference maker with GEMS is that we are a very solution-focused organization. And we are lucky enough to be a solution-focused organization because there are so many wonderful organizations out there that are putting the finger in the hole of the leaky bucket and we need them. If you're bleeding out, you need someone to stop the bleeding and to worry about what is happening right now. But because there are so many organizations focused on the now, it has given gems, liberated gems to be able to fill the hole down the road. So when women have stopped the bleeding, when they're ready to now take on their next step in life and they have the motivation and the strength, We're there to say, yes, here's a scholarship. Here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. Here's our Thrive program. Here's how you can learn about resilience and financial literacy and and all the other things that we really work to being able to help women get on their feet in the aftermath. We are not immediately post-abuse. We are a little further down the way from that. And again, we're lucky to be able to focus there because there are so many other organizations focusing in the immediate now post-abuse. Those are two things that we're just naturally very different. And the other thing too, is that I don't worry about anyone else at all. What do you mean you don't worry about other people? You mean you don't worry about what other charities are doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's like, you know, they say you just keep your eye on the ball and focus on, yeah, that's great. I don't, I don't worry about them at all. In fact, I share their stuff. I help promote them. I write reviews for them. I build them up because gems in general, like I want us all leading by example. And the world I want to live in is not one that we are focused on competing with everyone. I want to live in a world that everyone's just doing their best. And then with everyone doing their best, donors and volunteers choose from everyone's best, not because anyone's putting anyone else down. Yeah, I love that. And and it's so important to do that. You know, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I mean, I think everybody and their brother has a podcast. I'm waiting for you to start your podcast. <laughs> you know, everybody has a podcast, right? And if, if you start thinking about what everyone else is doing, it will just drown you. Focus on your goal, your mission, your purpose, and you just go with it. So I, I love that you said that because I think that is really, really important. And I think you're doing amazing things. And I also love what you said about how your mission is helping empower women empower themselves. So mm-hmm. you're sort of saying now that you've gotten out of that horrific situation, because a lot of people, they say, OK, leave the situation, then they leave and then they're stuck being in a position where they could drown, where you're like, OK, you don't have to drown. Here's your lifeboat. We're going to give you the skills mm-hmm. and we're going to help you build a life for yourself. So empower yourself to make it on your own and you don't have to depend on that person that was abusing you. Yeah, very much so. And we want to make sustainable change. Even if a woman was to find herself in another abusive relationship, she's never going to be trapped again. Yeah. Ever. To me, that is lasting change. That's sustainability. That is real impact. And that's what I'm all about. 
That's amazing. You mentioned the pandemic earlier. So since the pandemic, there's been a, raw, a huge rise. I don't even know what the numbers is. Do you know what the statistics are in the rise in domestic abuse since the pandemic started? It's up 190% or so. It's bad. It's, it's horrendous. How is Gems for Gems specifically dealing with COVID and the rise in domestic abuse? How has it affected you? It's affected us in a lot of different ways. It's affected me specifically through GEMS in a way that I didn't see coming. Sometimes weekly, I get sent pictures from women with destroyed faces and bodies because they don't know what to do. It is not an understatement to say that COVID has, quote unquote, caused an increase because it's not just about it getting worse for some people. There's a lot of people who were married to that jerk, as I mentioned before, but now that jerk doesn't have a job anymore. Now he's drinking more and that created the opportunity and the perfect storm to be able to bring that side of him out. I mean, we focus on women survivors, but there's plenty of abuse from women to men too. So in my world, I keep saying he, 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 as far as the perpetrator, but I want to be clear that there's plenty of women who have started abusing or who have always been abusers. The statistics is that for hospitalization and for situations involving the police, that 80% are male perpetrators. And it's not just opposite sex couples. I mean, what about the LGBTQ community? What about transgender community? Is that just sort of not something that GEMS is involved in? Or can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I sure can. One of the interesting things that I've heard is that in transgendered couples and in gay and lesbian couples, the traditional rules of don't hit a girl aren't there. So interestingly, things can escalate quicker because there just isn't the same rules right off the hop. We all raise boys, don't hit a girl, don't hit a girl, don't hit a girl. So when it's two girls or when two people are on the same level sexually it's gender you mean gender, gender not sexually yeah, you mean gender. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so gender. when it's an equal playing field gender wise there's not the same stops yeah. that, that are there right from when we're little kids so gems for gems is specifically helping women just because that's your wheelhouse that's what you know that's your experience yeah. and that's your focus yes but say someone who's transgender applies for a scholarship sure. oh okay so it's open to sure. everybody you're just like if you yeah. if you identify as a woman you identify as a woman Okay. Could a man apply for a scholarship? If you're identifying as a woman. Let's say they're gay and they're in a relationship and they've been abused by their partner and they come to you (laughs) and they want to apply for a scholarship. Are they eligible as well? So right now, no, but we would love to be able to branch it out. It's very important to me to stay consistent to our donors and to our supporters. And so what I would have to do first is make an organizational addition, which would be scholarships for men. Mm -hmm. And then it would have to be people who are buying into that. Because you have to understand, too, our donor base and our community of ambassadors, too, a lot of them are abused women. So that's something that I don't want to say, thank you very much for your donation. You struggle with men and all that, but now I'm going to put your donation towards a man. I don't think that that's being true to my words. And that's certainly something we're open to down the road. No question. You know what, Jordan? I hope you don't feel like putting you on the spot or anything, because at the end of the day, you have a niche and it's really Mm -hmm. important. And, you know, we're going to get into branding here in a second here. But when you're a brand and you have your target and you have your audience, you find your niche and you have to be very specific Mm -hmm. on who your niche is. And that's what you do. And it's not Mm -hmm. about exclusion or anything. It's about this is the niche and this is the market that you're serving. And these are the reasons why. And that's totally cool. And that's great that you're doing that. I applaud you. Just FYI, as you know. I, I know you do, I'm your biggest I'm fan. Also, I'm used to you putting on the spot. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I want to be clear that I care personally very much about survivors, period. We focused on women because of my experience. And like I said, we didn't grow Gems for Gems intentionally 
in this direction at all. And then suddenly it was growing. And so I stayed very true to my why. But certainly if we get bigger and bigger and bigger, they need help just as much as we do. Every form of abuse victim needs help just as much as straight women or women in general. I certainly see the need for that. But I I do also agree with what you're saying because people will say, yeah, well, men are abused too. Like, yeah, well, there's testicular cancer too. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't do a breast cancer fundraiser. Just because you're focusing on one doesn't diminish the value of the other. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So that's a really great segue into branding because that, as I mentioned, it's finding your niche. Your brand has gone through some changes in the last little while. It's been sort of slow and steady. We rebranded your IG account, which has been Mm -hmm. a lot of fun and that's going great. And, you know, it's increased, I think, your awareness and follow and you're redoing your website and then you have your swag. So tell me a little bit about the gem swag and what the purpose is behind that and your mission. Sure. So I started gem swag prior to uh, the pandemic. The whole point of it was to be identified and have our brand identified when we're at different events that we were hosting. And then when the pandemic hit and all kinds of fundraisers were canceled and donations started going down because people were losing their jobs, I was like, why don't we grow this to try to compensate for what we've lost? We were very fortunate with that. It's done very well. It's certainly something we're going to continue. So on the financial side, that was the push behind it. But the whole be the change part of it is very much an extension of what I said before, as far as us leading by example. My whole goal with the Be The Change on our swag was to be able to inspire people in the community. You don't even have to open your mouth. And that's very much how I feel about leadership is that lead by example. You can tell people over and over and over again, but show them. To me, that's powerful leadership. And I wanted to be able to give that to anyone who purchased our swag. The ability to lead by example and to inspire people just from the clothing you're wearing. I love that. And I, you know, I love that you have Be The Change on all your merch because that's my wheelhouse, as you know. And I've been talking to a lot of people recently about instead of just putting a logo, because you could have just put the Gems for Gems Mm -hmm. logo on there, which we just redid. But I love Be The Change because it's an action and it's creating, you know, you're also creating engagement with the audience. So when people see someone wearing a Be The Change t-shirt, the natural thing is to go, hey, what's that? Right? Mm -hmm. What is Be The Change? And now you're creating conversations and you're creating Mm -hmm. engagement. So that is really important. I've been talking to a lot of people about that now. Instead of putting our logo, let's do a little bit different. Let's put a slogan. Let's put a tagline. Let's put something fun that is going to engage the audience and get them to maybe ask you more about what that means. Mm -hmm. And so Be The Change does that. And I think that's great. And you're another great example of why swag is so important and why it works and why it really is helping you to get brand awareness out there into the space and digitally as well, because most of us are online now. So doing that, mm-hmm. well, your branding is looking really good and I'm excited to see the new website. So Jordan, before we go, I'm curious, you know, we've already accomplished so much in the past six years with Gems for Gems. What's next for Gems for Gems? What's your next mission? And then what's next for Jordan Guilford? <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, they're one and the same. So we just recently launched our newest initiative called Hope's Cradle, and that is a safe surrender cradle in a fire station in Strathmore with an entrance from the outside so that mothers who are not able to look after their babies can safely surrender their babies there with full anonymity. And that has gone so well. We certainly want to be able to branch that all over Calgary and all over Alberta and then beyond. We already have interest in Nova Scotia, BC, Manitoba. That is a big 
focus. Okay, I want to stop you right there. Sorry. I want you to back up and give a little bit more information about Hope's Cradle. This is so, so important that I I want you to take time to really explain why it started and what specifically it is. Sure. So two and a half years ago, our board chair, Detective Dave Sweet, came to me because he had found yet another baby abandoned and deceased. And he has unfortunately had this situation happen many times. But this one hit him hardest because it was on Christmas Eve. And the department was calling the baby, Baby Eve. And it was just heartbreaking all around. Interestingly, when I had heard about that story, I had already started researching what could be done. This is kind of what I'm talking about. Because we are nimble uh, and really focused on solutions, we have the ability to think outside the box and see a problem and respond to it. So I had already started thinking about what we could do. And then he came to me and asked me if there's anything that I think Gems for Gems could do. And I said, absolutely. (laughs) So we took uh, the concept of a cradle of a safe surrender cradle to our board and immediately the whole board voted yes. So then I got to work and we wanted to partner with the hospital because obviously that's the end destination for any surrendered baby, but COVID hit. So we kept trying to wait for a quick lull in COVID to be able to initiate it and it just didn't happen. And and then over this past spring and summer, three times while I was speaking to Dave, a new baby was called in. Babies literally kept piling up. And finally on the last one, I was like, ah, enough is enough. I have to find another alternative. And in the States, they partner with fire stations. So I decided to switch gears, look for a fire station. Fortunately, I was connected with one almost immediately. And then five months later, we launched our first Hope's Cradle. That's amazing. And so what it does is they actually built this box cradle. It's beautiful and warm and everything where a a mother who has just given birth, who has no feels that they have no other option Mm -hmm. other than dropping their baby in a dumpster, like, sorry for being so graphic, but that's what happens, right? Is now they can actually go to this place and anonymously leave their child there with a note, knowing that that child will be now able to survive and taken care of, which is such an incredible initiative. Yeah, Um, thank you. It's very easy to look and and villainize a woman who would do that. Statistics and the proof behind it is that it's a lot of trafficked girls and women who feel their baby is better off deceased rather than what would happen to them at the hands of the pimps and stuff. It's bad. And as soon as you understand more, it's very easy to have nothing but sympathy for most of the situations. And it is a resource for the babies, obviously, but it's also a resource for the mothers because most mothers would never want to be put in that situation. You have the first Hope Cradle is launched in Strathmore, Alberta, Canada. So now you're looking for other fire stations around mm-hmm. all over Canada. Yes, we want this to go as far and wide as possible. I really want us to be able to be the ones to do it so that it's all under the same name. You talk about branding again, too. I want I want women in need to be able to look up Hope's Cradle and boom, have countless options across Canada, all accessible. I think in order for them to be able to be a valid third option, so there's abortion, obviously, adoption, obviously, and and have Hope's Cradle be the third option is really my big goal. But in order to do that, they need to be very accessible. So they need to be everywhere. They need to be very well known. And that's my goal. I have no doubt that it's going to happen and I'm excited to be a part of it. And I just want to end with this. And I just want to say, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to leaders and we talk about branding and what makes brands successful and a big part of it is about 
brands being transparent and being authentic and connecting with their audience, right? And getting your audience to fall in love with your brand is good branding. And I think you do that so wonderfully. You and I've talked so many times and I always say to you, Jordan, you got to do another video because people <laughs> love you because you're so warm and you're so real and you speak from the heart and it shows and you knock it out of the ballpark every time. And so the reason you're becoming so successful in my part is because you really know how to connect with people on a level that is sincere and that they believe in you and they fall in love with you and they want to help. They want to help you succeed and help other women. That's why I think Gems for Gems is doing so well. So if people want to learn more about you and about Gems for Gems and how they can get involved, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Well, reaching out on any one of our platforms. And if you want to speak directly to me, you can just ask that the message get sent to Jordan. So you can literally Facebook, Instagram, our website. What's your address, your website address? Gemsforgems.com. And I almost said www, but you told me that's so <laughs> 1990s. So not doing that anymore. <laughs> Awesome. I love it. And then what about what's your Instagram? Instagram is Gems for Gems Canada and Gem Swag. If you want to take a look at our swag line on our website, there's the information on Hope's Cradle, ambassadors, scholarships. One of the things about our scholarships is that we name all of them in memory of women who have been lost to domestic abuse. Back to your swag for a second. So do proceeds, is it 100% of the proceeds are going to... So 100% of the sale of all the gem swag is going right back in to support Gems for Gems and all their yep. initiatives. So that is yep. really important. And then the other yep. thing is, I think this is a great way because we've gone full circle is the jewelry drive. If anybody out there, and I am sure there are tons of people who have jewelry that they're no longer wearing, how can they donate their jewelry? So it does not have to be anything fancy whatsoever. The the mandate is gently used. So you can send it into our, our mailbox if that works. You're out of Calgary. And if you're in Calgary, you can contact us and we can get one of our ambassadors to come get it from you and we'll store it for our Christmas giveaway. And can they find all that information on the website? The address. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. Jordan, thank you so much. (laughs) It's so great to see your beautiful face and talk with you and learn a little bit more about your story and love that you shared that with everyone. So thank you again. When are you coming back to Calgary? Do you have a date yet? ASAP, I miss it. Thank you so much for having me and for all you do. I just think the world of you and I'm grateful to be here. Grateful to know you, honestly. And this was lovely. (laughs) I'm going to cry. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll chat soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do to help my clients with their branding, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social channels under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.